Hello and welcome to Board Game Impact, a podcast where I look into board games and related topics so that way you can know the impact that they may have for your gaming group. Today I'm looking into Keyforge, Call of the Archons, designed by Richard Garfield and published by Fantasy Flight Games. My name is Bruce Brown, and you can find me on Board Game Geek as Bruce Brown, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon as Board Game Impact. So today, I'm going to give, be giving you a look at Keyforge, Call the Archons. From here on out, I'm just going to refer to it as Keyforge. Keyforge is a game designed by Richard Garfield, which some of you may be familiar with that name from one of our earlier episodes, when we talked to Erin Dean about her book, For the Love of Board Games, in which she interviewed Richard Garfield. Uh, Richard Garfield is... The uh, one of the original designers of Magic the Gathering, and now several years later, <laughs> he came out with a new card game, and that card game is called Keyforge. So Keyforge is a card game in which each player has a deck of 36 cards that are procedurally generated. I'll get into what all that means here in a minute. Uh, but th they play with their deck, and they're going to be playing creatures, artifacts, and some other unique abilities or actions and items uh, and upgrade cards from their hand onto creatures in order to forge what are called keys. Um, keys are constructed by collecting amber during your turn and if at the start of your turn you have six amber then you get you must forge a key and if you forge three keys you win the game but you can only forge a maximum of one during that initial part of your turn now how do you do all of this so what's kind of cool is that the game of Keyforge, the world of Keyforge, or realms of Keyforge, is divided among seven houses and every single deck has three different houses in it. And each of those houses has exactly 12 cards in the deck. So you know that a third of the deck is gonna be one house, a third another house, a third the third house. Uh, but at the start of your turn, you choose a house that is represented in your deck. And what's fascinating is that is the only house so creatures, everything else, cards from that house are the only things that you can play or fight with, etc during your turn, making the other two thirds of your deck not usable. Now it's kind of fascinating or there are some synergies that you can do to uh, use uh, different neighboring creatures and things which are fascinating. I'll let you discover some of that and I'll talk a little bit about it here in a minute. Um, but what you're gonna be doing is by uh, using the abilities of the creatures or sometimes fighting or doing an action, what's called reaping, you're actually going to be collecting that amber. And again, if you have six at the start of your turn, you must forge a key. Uh, now, what's nice is that this game is kind of tossing some traditional deck builders on its head um, in which uh, some of the mechanics of drawing at the beginning of your turn, things like that. That's not how this works. It actually all is at the end of your turn. And I'm going to get into some of that uniqueness here in a second, but just want to give you a foreshadowing. Um, the other thing you can do is if your opponent has some creatures and you want to stop them from being able to reap or use some of the abilities that are on those creatures, you can fight. Uh, but the fascinating thing is that your opponent has no hit points themselves. It's only, only, only the creatures. And so if you were to attack with, let's say a knight, I'm making up the names here. A knight and your knight has strength five, it's going to be a little red circle on the left-hand side of the card, and that'll say five. And then let's say you're attacking an opponent who has a bear-type creature, and that bear has a strength of four. Well, the knight's going to take four damage 
from the bear and the knight will kill the bear because it's hitting it for five. So that number is uh, representative of both the strength as well as the defense of that creature or the health points. Now, there are also some shields on the right-hand side of the card, and what those do is they block one point of damage each per turn, uh, but what's really nice is that those at those points of the shields will all heal up back at the end of the turn. Um, and again, if your opponent has no creatures, you can't fight them because um, they don't have any hit points as a person. But what's nice is you can just use your creatures then to reap, which gets you closest to your goal of having six keys, to six amber, to then forge a key. Uh, so some interesting notes about all this. Again, this is designed by Richard Garfield. Uh, Richard brought the idea of Keyforge to Fantasy Flight back in 2015. And at the time, he called it actually Technic. Uh, and that was in an article by Christian Peterson, the former uh, president of Asmodee and head of Fantasy Flight for a very long time. Um, and so they've been working on this for a couple of years now. Now, what this game does is it kind of turns traditional collectible card games, living card games, any competitive type card game that we've seen before, Magic the Gathering, uh, many, many others, uh, and it flips it on its head. So for the first time pretty much ever, you're not doing deck building. You're not going out buying booster packs. You're not doing any of that and trying to, ooh, I want this card and I need to find three more of it because I can have up to four in my deck. No, none of that. You buy the deck and it's as is. In many deck builders or deck type fighting games, uh, card games, every card, every creature is going to have some sort of like energy or mana or resource relative cost for you to have to pay in order to play them. So you first you'd have to pay that re play that resource down, and then I'll later turn use those resources that you've collected to then play a card. No, this is just in Keyforge. It's just if you have that card and it is of the house that you've already claimed on that turn or an ability would let you play it, play it. There is no resource cost. Um, and the other thing too is that you actually draw your cards up at the end of your turn. In many other card games, you're drawing up, the, that's the first thing you do at the start of your turn. Oh, it's my turn, I draw my cards. No, you draw up to your hand limit at the end of your turn, which is nice because then you're able to see what's going on for your opponent and the cards that you just got and not having to wait to see what am I gonna get? How am I gonna counter these things? Uh, you're able to plan things out a little bit more, which also may actually speed up these games a little bit, which is really, really nice. Um, so you're able to get more bang for the buck in the amount of time. Uh, the cool thing about it too is that, although I said that this is a game where you just get a deck as is, uh, every deck that I've opened it feels like someone went through and constructed it, but they didn't. A computer built it through an algorithm and it was procedurally generated. And on that note, getting into the, some of the components, I'm gonna go into what this procedural generation thing is. So essentially, in traditional games, you would have to, um, you'd have to print an entire sheet and, and you'd have to then cut it and then you'd get it all set up for booster packs and things and packaged up and sent out. With Keyforge, every deck has a unique, what they call Archon, which is the art on the back of the card. So if you think about it, uh, any other card game you've ever played, uh, if you, or if any deck of cards you've pretty much ever used, it all has the same back. 
right? Um, your back of your deck of cards, of your 36 cards, are different than the back of anyone else's cards anywhere in the world. Um, in addition to that, there's also a name of your deck on the back and on the front on every one of the cards, making it so that way you know that card is actually part of that deck. And so your deck is 100% unique besides for the fact of the cards that are in it, but also because of those names, et cetera, it's just incredible. Um, now what that does though, is it creates this opportunity for you to have this ability to go in with the deck that you just have. Um, and it's really nice in the fact that this is essentially showing of how we've evolved as uh, a culture in terms of technology and access to things. Cause this legitimately just, wasn't possible in the past without an astronomical cost. And the fact that you can do all this and just get a deck for 10 bucks is incredible. And kudos to FFG for figuring this all out. Um, now, I will say that I, I did just say that every deck has a procedurally generated name. Sadly, there has been a recall notice uh, by Fantasy Flight Games, and they state that about 0.05% of the decks will have to be uh, recalled. Uh, and what they're going to do is if you send it, if your deck is one of the decks that's recalled, send it into them and they will send you two free decks in return. Uh, these are just because some of them might not be the most appropriate. Just it was a computer that made it and they're refining the system. But again, only 0.05 at tops. Now, why, what makes procedurally procedural generation kind of beneficial for us. Um, so I did a little research and I actually read part of a book. Um, it, the book is called procedural generation in game design. It was made by Tanya short and tan Adams in 2017. Um, but specifically in, there was a chapter in it that just fascinated me and it was the, when and why you would you well, you'd want to use procedural generation. It was made by Darren gray and, Darren went into the fact that procedural generation can be great for the following reasons. And these are unique to procedural generation. First off, procedural generation provides individual experiences that are unique for every single player. It's the opportunity for each player to solely possess something that no one else has. Instead of going out and getting uh, a, a box of chocolates, this is more like the box of chocolates of uh, Forrest Gump. It's like you never know what you're going to get. Another cool thing that Darren brings up is that it brings out new gameplay and interaction. Typically, if you've ever been to a like Magic the Gathering tournament or these different card game tournaments, you're typically going to be seeing one of like four decks being played because those are the min-maxed decks that are just known to do really well and you're trying to fight a way around that. What's fascinating about this new gameplay, though, is that competitions are not the same types of crafted decks. Rather, a player has to be adaptable, and they have to be able to plan and adapt in the moment since they know they are facing a unique deck that no one else has. Now, what's kind of cool is that every one of these decks has another card that lists all 36 cards that are in a deck, and that is public knowledge in some of the formats of the game. Um, and so that means that your opponent can know what you have. And actually, there's some interactions in which you'll switch decks to play. Um, and so you have to be able to adapt and grow, which I think this is kind of really cool for the gamer of having to and encouraging the gamer to have to be able to grow um, and be better uh, and just kind of advance the hob in the hobby, which is cool. 
Um, I got two more cool things that this chapter kind of showed about procedural generation. Uh, the next one is it it actually is inhuman creativity. Now that might sound demeaning or bad, but it's not. Um, I, I didn't really know where it was going at first and then it just clicked. And so inhuman creativity, if you think about it, as humans, we're only able to think of so much. We tend to rely on different tropes. Uh, if you look back at some of the work of the hero's journey um, and the research that was done on the hero's journey back by Joseph Campbell back in the 1940s and looking back over generations and generations and generations of literature in that every story of a hero typically went through the same arc. We're going to, we rely on those tropes and having these decks be procedurally generated offers a new product that's not been thought of because computers don't think about things the way we do, nor in the realm of our imagination as humans. And so they're able to think of things that we might never think of. That being said, though, all of this is within a set of expectations, the algorithm, as well as the seven houses, there's a set list of cards, etc. And so that actually leads me to the last thing of the chapter, and that was the inspiration of infinity. So having the same deck size with the same houses being selected from, this creates an interesting straddling effect where players have an infinite content at the fingertips that they can get lost in the joy of the potential while still remaining confident because of that base set of expectations that they will get. And so it's understanding that they have the tools to do the job, but seeing the open slate and canvas ahead of them, which is really interesting and unique. Now, I already talked a little bit about the public information and each deck comes with that card I talked about with the list. On that card, there's actually a QR code and Fantasy Flight released an application that's on Android and iPhone. It's called Master Vault. This is essentially a companion app for Keyforge. Now, what you do is you pull out your phone, open the app, and you scan that little QR code. And then in your profile, which is your Asmodee profile, your deck is listed. It shows you the cards you have in it. It's a good way to track all the decks you have, cards you have. As well as you can also search decks. And by search decks, I mean all decks that have been quote unquote discovered in the world. And so as of this recording, which is just a week after the game launched last Thursday, uh, there is now a whopping 117,443 decks already discovered around the world. That's incredible. Congratulations, Fantasy Flight. Now, some of you may be saying, okay, well, I scanned in the deck. Does that mean I can play them online, play them anywhere in the world? That would be freaking sweet. However, the app does not facilitate any kind of gameplay like that, nor does it have any other features at this time. But there's some things built in that we can see. Like there is a reward system built in, but we don't know what the rewards go to yet. In the future, though, it's all, they already talked about this in a uh, live YouTube stream that Fantasy Flight hosted. And what they talked about was the fact that it will have the ability to track your wins and track your losses at some of the, uh, some of the national, worldwide, or local competitions. Now, why that's important is because there's one thing I haven't talked about yet, and that's called chains. And so what chains are is chains are on some cards, it'll say wipe out all creatures, which also means your own, by the way. All creatures mean your own. It'll, it'll say like friendly or unfriendly if it's trying to be specific. But all creatures would mean all. 
And then it would say gain three chains. And what chains are, and this is probably the most complicated part of the game uh, for the first time player, but then it's really simple once you get going. Chains are on a one to six scale. Um, so if you have between one and six chains, then your max hand size is five. And if you are to have to draw a card at the end of your turn and you are below your max hand size, well, guess what? You only draw up to five. And then every turn when you do that, you then lose a chain. And so after three turns, if you had three chains and you had to draw up each of those turns, you would have um, drawn up to five. And at the end of that third turn, you would have no more chains left. Now, what this does with the app though, is if there's a deck in your local community that's just dominating, well, with some of the features that they're gonna be rolling out, that, ch that deck itself might have chains applied to it. So that means that, yeah, that player who is showing up and dominating everybody with this deck, yeah, they can play with it, but they're gonna have to have a smaller hand size at the start of the game and essentially makes it so it levels out the playing field. Now there's nothing stopping that player from just going and getting another deck and having no chains on them whatsoever. And so for those who are able to adapt and able to lean into the diverse strategies and really pull and know the synergies that can happen between different houses beyond one deck alone, they're gonna be fine. And so it's really cool of this, yeah, I'm gonna, you can, I'm gonna support you and wanting to see you. If you like to use that deck, that's fine, but know you're gonna have a hurdle that you're gonna have to go through. But I'm also gonna challenge you to try something new, which is something we haven't really seen before. And as humans, like if you think about it, when you go into a classroom and you just go and sit down in the same seat, well, what if that instructor, you can sit in that seat, but I'm gonna put that same chair in a different part of the room. Uh, etc. And so it's just this cool, unique thing that Fantasy Flight is doing to encourage people to explore. And that's probably one of the coolest things of this game is that it's really, the card game itself is fun, but there's also that really cool like birthday present moment where you're getting this deck and you get to discover what's in it. You get to hold in your hand something that no one else has. And then you get to try and figure out how am I going to make this work? And so with all that, I think it's kind of cool. And so now I'm going to get into some of the impact that uh, Keyforge, I've seen with Keyforge already, and I've played it a bunch. Um, so that procedural generation has been present with like video games for a long time now. Actually, there's many open world games uh, or different things where they'll just generate trees or random encounters, etc. cetera. Uh, but we've never, ever seen that in board games because guess what board games have to be physically manufactured and that's really hard to do because typically in a manufacturing plant it's grab this part put it in the box uh, close the box seal the box send the box or stack it with the other boxes then send the box now they have to be more intentional about how they do that and so the fact that figure fantasy flight and the technology is now making this able to happen is really cool um, so magic the gathering and other collectible card games or living card games had it where sometimes in the past, if you could afford to, you could just buy the cards you wanted and craft your deck and start of, instead of just trying to have to go out there and discover, right? Um, so sometimes there has been a negative stereotype of that money could equal victory. With Keyforge, all decks cost $10 out of the box. You open it, 
and you play with it and you can play with it immediately. That's it. You're good to go. Now, the hard part is that not everyone's there yet, and that's fine. Um, and there still are some who think that it has to be this one way, right? Um, and inherently some decks, yeah, they might be better than others, but the overall landscape keeps an importance on that discovery and being able to play that deck well, because you're never going to face the same opponent. You're going to have to be able to be adaptable. And so there are some cards that people feel are like, oh my God, I have to have this card, um, or this set of cards or this combination or these combinations of houses. That's their own thought. And that's fine. Um, and actually there was a set, uh, there's a set of cards called the four horsemen, and there was one deck that went viral on Reddit, Facebook, and everything like crazy that contained two of each of the four horsemen. This person put it up on eBay, and just yesterday, that deck sold for $2,000 on eBay within this first week of the launch. Now, this is much more of the collectible card game reminiscent secondary market, but here's the thing we've already talked about. If that deck is that powerful, and first of all, I wish them the best of luck for that person that's meant that because the person you just bought it from paid 10 bucks. But if that deck is that powerful, well, guess what? It's going to have chains on it, meaning that you're going to be limited from the get-go. And I just want to encourage y'all to think about these things differently. It's not having to have these certain cards. It's how you play with them that's going to matter. Now, when you look at change and you look at adults, um, some hardcore Magic the Gathering players and stores are showing more difficulty when adapting to this new idea um, and not building custom decks. And for some of them, that's their favorite part of collectible card games, and that's fine. Um, I actually want to see Magic continue. Magic is a great game that uh, played an important part in my life growing up, and I want to see it thrive. Um, these decks are not, these two games are not like, Yes, they may pull some of the same players, but the audiences can also be very different. And that act of discovery, I think, is more of what's going on here. Um, so I do want to say that the Fantasy Flight has announced a couple different tournament formats for this. Um, so the two things are Archon and Sealed. Archon is your most normal like card game type format in which every player is going to bring in a deck that's already registered to them, and they'll play with it. Simple. A sealed one, though, is every player will simultaneously open a box, uh, so a one-deck box, and they'll play with it. They're having to discover everything right then in that moment, which is really, really cool to, th to think about if you, if you lean into that. In addition, Fancy Flight has also talked about a couple of variations that some stores can do on this, uh, two of them in particular. One is adaptive, which this is just fascinating um so it's a best of three match this is called the adaptive format it could be for sealed or archon every player will play with their deck during the first round during the second round they actually swap and play with the deck they just fought against if there is a third round they need to bid chains so limiting hand size at the beginning on whatever deck they want to play with. Um, so most likely that would be the same deck because if you played against a deck and lost and then you played as that deck and won, then it's tied and you go to round three. So whatever deck just won, y'all bid on it with chains. Say, I can actually, I'm going to start with three chains, which means again, hand size of five. Well, you know what? I think I can do it with a uh, six, ch seven chains, which would then be above six, less than eight and so you're with two chains 
uh, two minus. Uh, so you're starting the game with only four cards in your hand, uh, which is kind of interesting. The second type of variant that they talked about is called the auction. Um, what's kind of cool about this is it's a sealed deck format in which all the decks that are purchased and opened with the sealed format, they're all placed on a table with their houses showing. Whoever the organizer is, is randomly going to pick up one of those decks. And then all the players will bid chains on playing that deck. Once it's a final bid on a deck, that player gets to play with it. And you keep going like that until every deck is in a person's hands. Now, what's cool about this, and I'm glad they wrote it, is that whatever deck you open, well, that's the deck that you leave the night with. Um, so just because you didn't bid on it for chains, etc., well, you're going to go home with the deck that you opened, which is, I'm glad they wrote that. Uh, some table presence. Uh, this is very similar. If you see this, you're just going to think it's another card game. Um, it's, but the art's pretty cool. Um, so what it brought out in some of the players, uh, as well as myself, since you can simply play all the cards of the given house at the beginning of your turn, and you proclaim that the turn, it means you immediately, uh, immediately only one-third of your deck is actually viable. And meaning that if you already have creatures and things out there and you select another house, it'll be restricted uh, from those cards, which is really cool. Now, what that did, though, is it made me be thoughtful in how do I layer and how do I think about these houses differently. Um, recently, I was at Board Game Geek Con in Dallas, which was phenomenal, by the way. Thank you, Board Game Geek. Um, that was just a great time. Thank you for everything behind the scenes. Um, and I was playing Keyforge with another player, and they pretty really well they said they learned this from somebody else but you need to play as one of two styles and whichever one you want to go with is up to you you either want to build a skyscraper in which you're focusing on one part of your deck essentially a sing singular house and you're going to play everything into that house and you're going to just like annihilate your opponent from that skyscraper right like man in the high tower high castle type mentality the other mentality though is building a house that welcomes all can stand its ground and offers versatility of experiences because a house has like a kitchen, a house has a living room, a house has, et cetera. Uh, but it is a way in which you kind of diversify what you have out and you're trying to work off of each other because it's more of a communal approach, which I thought was like two cool ways. So you're trying to play from all three houses so that way you have more options and play styles because every house does play a little different and they have some unique things. Um, so overall thoughts, I personally, uh, do not have the time or resources just, or capacity right now to actually keep up with a collectible card game like magic, even though it would be a lot of fun and I've enjoyed them in the past. Keyforge scratches that itch. Um, it's a phenomenal outlet for me and it's a lot of fun to finally be able to competitively play again with a low barrier of entry. There are those who are having a hard time embracing all this and that's okay. Some think it's there to replace magic, and I've said that before, but I believe that both can live in the same space and will have some, but not a complete overlap in players. The fact that the decks are only $10 make this, makes this game very affordable and the perfect, perfect for the holidays as small gifts for gamers as each deck is unique. And you can tell them that. Tell them, like, you have a deck no one else has. That is awesome. It'll be interesting to see how players continue to react as Keyforge moves forward. And these decks are more and more, um, more and more seen across the world and, and how these tournaments roll out and just see what happens because we're all still in the beginning here.
Now you may have a question when you go to the game store. And I want to just address this really quick. Uh, so there are individual decks, and we've talked about a lot, them a lot. There's also a starter set. The starter set contains two unique decks within it. So essentially two of those individual decks. It also contains two decks that are the same two decks in every single starter set. Essentially, these are just two balanced decks that show off six of the houses that can help teach you the game. It also contains a quick start rule guide as well as tokens for the ember and keys, etc. for both players. Now, what's important to know is the game does not, the starter set, nor the individual decks, nor do they come with the actual full rule set. For all of that, you have to go online to Fantasy Flight, which makes sense. That way they can keep up with things um, and make sure that the information that's put out there is updated and that people don't go, well, here it is printed here in my rule book. Well, you have to look at the website. And so not having two competing sets of information, it makes sense. Um, but I know some people think, hey, they should have included it. But I wanted you to be aware of that. So if you want the full rules, just go on the Fantasy Flight website. It's free. And they also have a Watch It Played video on the Board Game Geek site as well. Um, but I think that you could honestly be good to go if you have tokens that you can use to represent things like the damage on your creatures, the ember that you collect, as well as the keys that you forge. And as long as none of those things are dice, because you cannot use dice in fantasy flight competitions for this because of the potential of a dice rolling or being knocked and the number of pips changing. So it just has to be easily identifiable and good to go. Uh, but honestly, Keyforge is pretty sweet. Um, and I do recommend you check it out for the, it's just 10 bucks. Uh, it's a really good thing for you to just go out, get two decks, find a friend and play it with them. And so I wish you the best of luck in trying this out. Um, if you ever want to play, you can actually play online at a free website called the crucible. So if you want to check it out, check that out. It's pretty sweet. If you want to see all the different cards that are potentially in the decks, you can go to a website called the Amber tree. And, um, but, Either way, um, I just want you to go out and enjoy. Um, this is a cool, new, and unique thing for the hobby, and that whole procedural generation is going to be something that, A, is really cool, uh, but it could be very interesting for the future of games in some different ways, and so something to keep your eye on, definitely. Again, my name is Bruce Brown, and you can find me on Board Game Geek as Bruce Brown. Thank you so much for listening to Board Game Impact. I hope that you learning about what experiences that I've been having uh, is making a positive impact on you and your gaming group and your involvement with this hobby. You can learn more about me and, the, and Board Game Impact by visiting the website, boardgameimpact.com. If you have a topic that you'd like to have discussed, please email me at boardgameimpact.gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at boardgameimpact. Uh, like the Facebook page, Board Game Impact. Actually, as a side note on both of those things, I'm starting to do some live videos. And if you're listening to this, as soon as this goes out, on, I'm going to be doing some Keyforge openings, some live Keyforge openings, so that way you can see the art of discovery um, that comes with this game and see kind of what kind of cards I'm getting. So if you want to check that out, head over to Facebook. Uh, but I cannot thank enough my phenomenal Patreon backers as well as PayPal donors for supporting the show. Um, this is uh, something that I'm doing uh, to engage with the hobby and it's a labor of love. Um, and so if you enjoyed today's content, um, 
I encourage you to go on, learn more about our Patreon, see some of the cool stuff I'm trying to do. Uh, but also if you could please, 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 uh, go on to iTunes or whatever you're listening to and just like, or uh, rate the show, uh, greatly appreciate that. Um, and until next time, I just want you to go out and have a positive impact on the world. I'm so thankful for everything that, um, is going on in this hobby. Um, so this is coming out right before Thanksgiving. Um, and I'm just so thankful for getting to do this and until next time, have a positive impact on the world.